This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. of the Different Kind of Human Project is sponsored by Flow Dance Academy Christchurch. Welcome to the Different Kind of Human Project, where we talk to people who are neurodiverse, diverse and just plain different. This is a space to celebrate diversity and hear from people who are intentionally living outside the box of society's constraints. In this show, we talk to Dr Cathy Solomon about her experience teaching and researching mathematics and issues around exclusion when it comes to maths education. Cathy, welcome to the programme. Good to be here. Now, we've known each other a while and we got to know one another when we were doing our PhDs. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. Yeah, a while back now. Um, what was your PhD in? Um, in maths education mostly, although it started off being a little bit different. It's uh, people's beliefs about maths. Yeah. And what do people believe about maths? I mean, it's well, not something I've ever even thought about. No, there must and, be and a politics of maths, though. Oh, there? there probably is, but it depends who you talk to and what day. On what day, and mostly what it discovers, people believe maths is what we used to call arithmetic, figuring things out, rather than what mathematics is. And what is it? Well, it's much broader than that, um, and it's to do with patterns and grouping things and thinking about numbers and shapes, um, all sorts of different things. I know, I thought I was really bad at maths at school um, because I just literally didn't know what was going on. And I remember one weekend, spending all weekend doing my homework on it and trying really hard. My dad didn't do it for me, but he showed me, he helped me scaffold my understanding and understand it. And when I went back to school the next day, the maths teacher said, well, you must have cheated because I did actually get 10 out of 10. Uh, and um, and then didn't uh, made me sit at the front and handed all the books out for that day and didn't hand a book to me and had to sit there throughout the whole class with just no book. And I was quite little, so I was quite frightened, um, I remember. And, and something sort of switched off at that point for me. And then I practised my signature as I got older. So I had this really, really cool signature when I was older because I spent so long in maths mm. practising it and kind of gave up. I scraped through, though, with a CO level, which was kind of important mm-hmm. for some things you needed to get into. So I put a bit of effort in there. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty sad. That's my experience of maths. It's a really well, sad one. Yeah, I find most people, when I tell them I was doing research on maths, um, would tell me horror stories. I just did that, didn't I? You just did I'm that. I'm sorry. No, and that's Are you sick of that? fine. No, I'm not at all because I find it really interesting and I find there's a lot of bullying that goes on. It may be even when teachers aren't realising they're bullying. Mm. And my initial experience of that bullying was my fourth year of school and we had a teacher who used to say, it's Brenda's turn to do the maths tomorrow. Bring your blankets and pillows. Aww. And I was horrified because this child was then portrayed as really slow. 
And I don't know whether she was, but she was one of these very fair people who used to blush and was very shy. And she'd be made to stand in the front of the class and figure everything out. And we were, had almost been encouraged to put her down because yeah. you'd been told she was slow. And I found that appalling. Um, even when I was little, I just found that absolutely horrible. Uh, and there are all sorts of stories like that. I remember working with somebody in a tertiary setting who was the head of the maths department, and he believed there were people who could do maths and people who couldn't do maths. And he and I, I was the tutor, and we were loggerheads because I used to say everybody can do maths. It's part of a it, fundamental aspect of being human, isn't it, it to is. some degree? And when you talk to adults who are sure they can't do maths and you say things like, well, can you, can you follow a recipe? Can you follow a knitting pattern or sewing pattern? Can you measure up lumber to make a bookshelf or to build? And they all say yes. And you say, can you double that measurement? Can you halve it? Yeah. And then you say, well, there you're doing fractions. Um, oh, far out. I didn't know I could do fractions. No, you can do fractions. And there are all sorts of practical things like that that people don't realize they're doing that. You talk about shopping. You know, can you balance your bank account? Oh, well, then you're doing fractions. Oh, you're a bit far there well, now, then you're Kathy. doing decimals, not fractions. Okay. But you're working with decimals. Um, they're all those, those sort of everyday living things. I mean, there are people who can't do those, and that's a whole different mm. situation. But most people can do the maths they need for living. And then you wonder about what's going on at school that they're making people think oh. they can't. Yeah, and we never really got any balancing a checkbook. And we had to do, um, we had to look at logarithms in the back yeah. of some sort of book because calculators, I don't mean, because I was yeah. trucking around with the dinosaurs. They yeah. were, were dancing around their feet still when I was going to school. And uh, we had to have logarithmic tables because yeah. calculators only just sort of came Can in we? towards the end, you know. Um, and it was dreadful. You see, I loved those. <laughs> Yeah. And then we used slide rules because, again, it was pre-calculator. Yes, that's right. And I think being an autistic person, I feel a fair amount of shame uh, mm -hmm. that I cannot fulfil the stereotype of Rain Man and do all of that <laughs> counting, you know. it's like but again, it's, a, such a, it's such a misinterpretation of what both autism is. Yeah, it is. And what maths is. Um, there's a person called Jo Bowler who's a professor at Stanford University and she has a... a website and it's called U-Cubed. Mm. And she does marvellous things. She's from England originally. She does absolutely marvellous things. And one of the things she does is she interviews mathematicians. Now, these are people who do this as their work. And most, many of them struggled with maths at school because they weren't fast. And the um, assumption is, at least in primary maths, when you ask primary school teachers what makes a child good at maths, well, they know their tables and they can do it fast and accurately. And then you talk to these adults who are actual mathematicians, and some of them didn't know their tables, and were quite slow. They were deep thinkers. And that's really what you want to encourage. And another problem with primary maths is, and all the way through school, is it very much, on, or it used to be, something you did by yourself. You weren't encouraged to work as a group um, and scaffold each other. There's That's more true. of that now. We just did it all by ourselves. You did it all by yourselves. And the other thing that happened was you had to do it the method, <gasps> the prescribed method. You did. You did, Cathy, because I went, to, I went back to Polytechnic and I wanted to do website design and, um, and I, I just wanted to learn it. And um, they put us in a maths class. It was a really 
like that. Yeah, it was just like a get back into mm-hmm. maths, make sure that you can do these bits and pieces. And um, I worked it out correctly, thank goodness, compared to when I was a kid at, at, at back in the 70s. But um, I worked out correctly and the tutor said, well, it's correct, but I've never seen anyone work it out that way before. That's yeah. not the way we oh, work it out. out. And that's bullshit. You know, and, and children are... St- are marked against all the time for that, that you have to do it this one way. And and my question is why? I used to get into trouble all the time for doing it my way. No, that wasn't the way. And I said, well, I can explain it. And sometimes the teacher didn't understand the method. So one of the problems is, especially lower down in primary school where teachers are also terrified of maths, or some are, mm. that they know what's the safe way to teach it at least for them. Well, this used to be until we've had a lot of changes in modern curriculum, but people are still uncomfortable with, that there are multiple ways of doing it. And, well, when I was teaching maths to sort of a hodgepodge of people who were struggling usually with it, and I said, well, sometimes the way you can work it out is look at the answer and work backwards and work a method that works for you. Um, why not look at the back of the book at the answers? Yeah, why not? That's quite a scientific approach as well. We know yeah. that this is happening. Let's work back like from it to find out yeah. how and that's how you reverse engineer things and all sorts of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that's also that's thinking like a mathematician or mathematizing, whatever mm. you want to call it, mm. rather than just adding up and taking away and whatever else you're yeah. supposed to be doing. We did do things in a group um, at, at, in that class, and I remember that it was unfortunate. Um, I, th- I think humans find it difficult to not know things, and I wonder whether primary teachers are required to act as though they know everything, because if you're a facilitator of learning, you could say, I don't know. You can either pretend you don't know, or you can actually literally mm-hmm. not know and get people to support you knowing, but there's this idea that you have to be the expert mm-hmm. knower still, isn't there? Yeah. And when, when the, um, the maths um, tutor um, held up a piece of paper and said, how many sides does this have? I said six. And he just thought I was taking the mickey and being, which is often what happens. I would have said six. He, he, he just thought I was, yeah, taking the mickey and, um, uh, and just being silly. And I was like, but it's, it is because even if it's 80 GSM, um, printer paper, it's definitely a very, 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 very shallow, Ob- oblong mm. object, you know, it's it's not, so we, it, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's what is it, it's a rectangle, what is it? Yeah, well, it, it's Sorry, actually more know. than that, because it, it, it's actually three-dimensional. That's what um, I was saying, I was yeah, saying so it's, it's three-dimensional, like yeah. it's, like it's like a box, but very, very, very thin. thin, and that's what I see a piece of paper as, I see it as a 3D item that has, that that, that four, four parts of it are really, 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 really thin. thin, so I said six sides, and then he said, no, it's not, it's got two, and I said, no, it's got two faces, yes. but it's got six sides, and then he got very grumpy, and then it, he said, it's got two sides, and I said, <laughs> well, all right, do the tutor, you've got two sides, and then he said, now, if we look at the left-hand side over here, and I said, I said, don't, I said, you said it didn't have a left-hand side. You know, it only has two. So anyway, and then and then he got very upset, at which point I got upset and left the room. And then I went and had a big cry in the room next door. And I couldn't understand why he'd thought I was, at, at my age, uh, uh, trying to be silly about something when literally... And then someone said to me, autistic people often see things in 3D more than 
um, non-autistic people. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it was quite clearly to me a six-sided object. And I've asked a whole bunch of people since, held up pieces of paper and saying, how many sides has this got? And they all say two. Well, I said no. <laughs> but you're, you, 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 you're a maths person, though. No, but I'm not a maths person. I'm an English teacher. Flow Dance Academy, you'll find a positive and safe environment for movers of all ages. We welcome and respect all dance and yoga lovers and include all body shapes, experience levels, genders, sexualities, races and religions. We offer classes in Hatha Yoga, Preschool Dance, Junior and Senior Level Ballet, Jazz, Contemporary, Hip Hop, Musical Theatre and also Flow Fusion for advanced to professional dancers combining neoclassical, lyrical, jazz and contemporary dance. Contact us at Flow Dance Academy to book your free trial in Christchurch. Come join us, be who you want to be, embrace it and let it flow. You're listening to The Different Kind of Human Project on Plains FM 96.9. So you're an English teacher. Hang on a minute. Why are we talking about maths then? <laughs> I originally trained as an English teacher, and that might be why I have a slightly different attitude to it work, Yeah, you've come at it from a different direction. Well, were you any good at maths? I mean, obviously yeah. you liked... I lo- no, I loved maths. Okay. I loved maths, and I, had, I was very lucky through my schooling that I always, you know... Every now and then had a really good maths mentor, and I did love. I did like maths. Um, Why? What was it about it? I'm not sure. I like. I quite like puzzles, and I like you know figuring things out. But I wasn't accurate, so I was one of these people. <laughs> I love that. Who, so you, who you understood actually... it? You know, I could yeah. understand it, but I didn't always get the right answer. That's fantastic. So it depends on the teacher you had. Yeah, well, how do, how are you allowed to carry on when you well, didn't? That's fantastic. Well, I was good enough, you know. Oh, and so, yeah. th- so I went all the way through, including doing calculus at secondary school. And then I thought I was pretty mediocre at maths. And my first, I can't remember if it was first or second year at uni, I met up with my old maths teacher and she said, how are you enjoying maths? And I looked shocked. I said, I'm, I'm doing philosophy and English. And she said, why aren't you doing maths? I said, because I wasn't very good. Now, this is an issue where people don't tell you. Um, you had no idea what she thought. I had no idea what she thought. And then she said to me, but you got one of the highest marks. I'd got a D. And she said, you got one of the highest marks that year in that subject. And nobody had ever told you. Mm. Um, so that's so all relative, isn't it, it's then, Kathy? Because you got a D, but you're still one of the highest... Which is, which is really doesn't it, that say odd, that says something about the the year that the, that year the exam was incredibly hard. Okay, um, I always liked hard exams because then it put the SWATs on the same level as me. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but go back to to an attitude to to math. So I always saw math as as a language of communication, rather than what the other people were looking at. And as such, if you look at maths that way, it's an international language of communication in that people will understand what you're doing, although we have different methods of doing it. Um, you can sit, I was at a workshop once where my partner was Spanish and I didn't speak Spanish and she didn't speak English, but we were fine together. Because mm, you were using a universal language. We were using a universal language. Okay. 
and a lot of laughing and gesturing. So I've never thought about it as a language before. Yeah, so if you look at it that way, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's a way of communicating, a way of making sense of the world. So philosophy in English, English, there's a lot of language stuff in yeah. English, and philosophy. Well, logic. Yeah. yeah, okay. So that's starting mm. to make more sense now to me. So that, yeah, so that's, an, and, and I initially got into maths because somebody walked into the staff room one day and said, who took calculus for matriculation and I said I did they said you're the new maths teacher where was that um in in a very large black high school in a place called Kanyamazan um which country is that in that's in South Africa near the border of Mozambique Mm -hmm. Um, you became a maths teacher I became a maths teacher no training at all did you continue to be one after that yes which is odd um I with that that one, I always thought it'd be great to be a maths teacher because they're right and wrong answers. Whereas when you're an English teacher, they're ten correct answers. Are you sure you're not autistic? Because no, I <laughs> love that, and I've hated that about most things that I've done that I haven't worked in realms of. of, of I don't know. I have right elements. Answers. I have elements of <laughs> <laughs> probably of uh, whenever you talk about autism, I think oh me 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 me. me, me. But anyway. Um, but I discovered that my first math te- uh, class I taught, which had 50 boys in it, age range between 12 and 22, and half of them thought that it was the first term of algebra they'd ever done, and already half of them thought they couldn't do algebra. And I love algebra. I don't know whether because it's got letters. Oh, it's the one with letters in it. It's is the one it? with letters I'd in it. I prefer that, <laughs> yes. And to me, it always makes sense to put a letter for a number or for an unknown and fiddle around until I get, you know, the answer to the puzzle. And they were already convinced that they couldn't do it. Not that they'd ever done it before. Because now you do do elements of that in primary, but in those days, in, in black schools, they were not. So what's the thinking there? I mean, we understand that in that school. And then you're talking about what happened in your education and and where you've worked since. What's going on there? What's going wrong there with so many people thinking that they can't Can't do do maths? I think think because it's a gatekeeper subject is one of the things. So especially if you you believe that there are those who can and those who can't. And people think it's hereditary as well. They'll say, well, my mum could never do maths and I can't do maths or nobody in our family could do maths. And for a lot of higher education programs, you need maths to get into them. Mm. And so if you believe you can't do that, you're closing yourself out of all sorts of fields and, you know, all the sciences, medicine, architecture. Um, I would have liked to have been a vet, and I think definitely definitely, that that was part of And you probably would have been really good as a vet. Mm, Thank you. Mm. Um, And people don't see what they're doing to young people by saying, okay, you, you're rubbish at maths, so you're never going to be able to do this. And so what's really going on for those people who are perceived to be rubbish at maths? What's really going on for those people who you can't do maths? Is it because it's only been taught a certain way? For some, it might be. But I think it's to a large extent, it's a belief. If you're told you have to be fast and accurate, and if you think of times tables in primary school, they often put names on the board on the wall of the children who've got to this level. You're right. So it's literally performance. Performance. It's performative. It's performance. It's performative and it's about speed and accuracy as opposed to... to uh, thinking and understanding. Thinking and understanding and using a common language with yeah. others and working quite complex things out. 
Yeah. Okay. And I think I think all of those things interfere, and there's a gender element as well, because at least when we were growing up, there would have been this, um, where you know it's it's boys' fields, hmm. unlike the century before, where girls were encouraged in science. Um, that you know that's a male endeavor. It's yeah, cold. It it's out. hard. It's yeah, logical. It um, so you don't want to and. It, you, so you're affected by your peers as well. Mm. You'll you'll be, um, you know, the nerd mm. who likes maths, plays chess. I remember else. that. I remember someone being put in that position, yeah. you know, and wearing it so they could do what they wanted to do. But it was still yeah. pretty hard on her. So it's quite hard. So it's quite hard. So people, you know, their peers sometimes help exclude them. Mm. Um, people saying, "Well, you can't. You you you're very rubbish at it." So you. You can't go and do these fields. Um, there's all there are also other things. I was once when I was a, a teacher, you know, training to be a teacher, and I was on placement, um, sitting in a classroom with the so-called master teacher, who's doing careers counselling. You know, what subjects would you take next year to her class? And she was saying to all these girls, "Oh, you don't need to go on with maths any further. Um, you're not going to need that, dear." was encouraging all the boys to, and I piped up and I said, I disagree with you. Now, this was in public. Mm. I said, I disagree with you. I think everybody needs to do as much maths as they can so they're not closed out of, of future decisions. Or even now, watching a YouTube um, video, it's not even necessarily that it's about work anymore. It's just about there's so much that you can see online now. And I would really be, like to be able to understand quantum physics a bit. And I, I get, I watch the mm-hmm. Idiot's Guide to Quantum Physics, and I still need the descriptive one. I just can't go there <laughs> with mathematics. And uh, uh, but, but you know, you could do if you weren't closed off to the idea that it has to be performative and it has to be accurate yeah. from a very early age. So, what would you want to see change? Um, if you could have a, a, a magic wand now, as we come to the end of our interview, if you had a magic wand, what would be a few things that you want to change in, in maths well, education? Well, that's what goes back to what I was working on for my research, and that is belief. You know, the beliefs about maths. What is mathematics? It's not just figuring things out correctly and fast. And also getting people to believe that it's a place for everyone, that it's not just those few bright people in the class or with parents who are pushing them or whatever it is, because it becomes a class thing as well. Um, Social, socioeconomic thing. And there's cultural capital as well in there, isn't there? Oh, yes, so, so, yeah, it's a kind of a human rights issue in a sense, yes. you know, that, that we have a right to, to this knowledge a, which influences our lives in so many ways. And that I also wrote about in my thesis is as human, maths as a human right. Yeah. So what was uh, the title of your thesis? Oh, uh, it... it can I even remember? It's just numbers. It's just numbers. Yes. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Well, I, I Children's went, beliefs about and their teachers' beliefs about mathematics. Uh, I went for. I was in a dining group with a chap who's doing a maths PhD, and it turned about it was about I don't know about fifty or sixty pages long. And I said, "That's so cruel, you know." As as you know, oh, well, ours as, is four hundred or whatever. Yeah, huge, <laughs> huge numbers of pages, etc. So, it's it's just numbers. Um, thank you so much, Kathy, for coming on the show and talking to me about mathematics and for the first time in an awful long time, making me feel like I might be able to actually do more of this and a certain amount of regret actually now looking back after having spoken yeah. to you about how it could have been. But thank you so much for coming You're into the welcome. studio. That brings us to the end of our programme. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our show. You can listen to the show again on the Plains FM website, Spotify or on Apple's podcast platform. 
Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. So bye for now. I'm Annie Southern. We look forward to having you with us for another show in a fortnight. <laughs>